Welcome to Intersections, the RIT podcast. Massive rocket ships may not be the only way to explore space. In today's episode, imaging science professor Grover A. Schwartzlander Jr. and Amber Dubell, a mechanical engineering student, discuss the latest developments in space travel, including toaster-sized boats in the sky. It's really a fantastic time for students that get involved in, in space. You know, a lot of the old technology was based on big satellites, and uh, those are very expensive to put up. Those are like billion-dollar missions. Maybe about a decade ago, folks at NASA and elsewhere started thinking about smaller satellites. And so uh, now they have a, a platform that are called CubeSats that are about the size of a toaster, and, it, and it's little devices that you can put up into space for a very affordable price. So universities, small companies, NASA... Uh, international folks are all involved in, in these CubeSat initiatives now to sort of demonstrate uh, different technologies in space. So it's a very exciting time. I saw that the Space Exploration Group was involved in CubeSats and, and even a solar sailing mission. Yes, yeah, so we, uh, our main goal is to be RIT's first ever satellite via the CubeSat program. So NASA does a CubeSat launch initiative. We're working back up to uh, do another proposal and hopefully in the near future. And we have a senior design team right now working on uh, a continuation of a solar sail for a CubeSat size. I know you, uh, we've done some work with Les Johnson at NASA Marshall, and he's working on a CubeSat-ish size uh, solar sailing mission, uh, NeoScout. Well, NeoScout is going to be the first solar sailing mission that actually does some science. Uh, in the past, uh, well, almost a decade now, uh, the Japanese and, and NASA and the uh, uh, Planetary Society have all launched demonstration missions where they put up a very large, thin, reflective membrane in space, and they have to fold it all up and then get it to unfurl in space. And once it unfurls and flattens out, when it light reflects uh, from the sun off of the uh, thin foil, it produces a, a force onto the sail. And that force is actually quite small, but in space, it can actually do quite a bit of, of work and can uh, transport a small payload, uh, for example, from a, a low-Earth orbit out to a near-Earth asteroid, and that's what the NEO Scout is all about. It's going to do a flyby mission using primarily radiation pressure as the propulsion and take some pictures of that so that in the future, we can start to understand a little bit more about some of these near-Earth asteroids and how we can mine them and maybe deflect them away from the Earth. You really have had some outstanding opportunities as an undergraduate mechanical engineering student. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, these different NASA pro projects and some of the things that you've done for them? RIT Specs kind of started that for me. I joined when I was a freshman, and uh, we were working on CubeSat and CubeSat launch initiative at the time. We were trying to do a re-entry payload for CubeSat, which is kind of unheard of so far because it's very hard to get something up into space, but it's harder to get it down, <laughs> um, back down. So uh, we were trying to do something like that. And um, we go and apply, and, and NASA has a standard application of how you do it. And when you you know, say, hey, I've worked on a CubeSat, and you know, you're applying for a CubeSat position, it makes you stand out a little bit. So uh, that I was lucky enough to get looked at. So I was working on a CubeSat called GPX-2 for the summer, and then when that phase ended and that project ended, I was working on a deep space uh, mission to Phobos, which is uh, one of Mars's moons, and trying to do a, a small sat, cheap mission, and it was, had this tether experiment on it that could be low cost, which would be like under $90 million, which for a deep space mission is almost unheard of, kind of keeping in that CubeSat, a small sat kind of area. 
And that was actually a NIAC, a NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts. Uh, I know you just got a NASA Innovative Advanced Concepts proposal awarded here, a, a grant. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. The NIAC program at NASA is kind of like a, like a DARPA project for NASA. They're looking very far out at, at future technologies that may impact space travel, whether that means propulsion, whether it's new kinds of science or habitation. Uh, there's fantastic people um, from around the country doing all kinds of different things, these NASA projects. This is actually my third NIAC award. This one is for developing a, a new kind of solar sail that looks beyond the 100-year-old type of concept of having a reflective sail. We want to replace this thin reflective sail with a diffraction grating. So diffraction gratings are kind of similar if you looked at a, a compact disc. You see all the different colors coming off from uh, light reflected and diffracted from that. That's essentially a, a very thin diffractive film. And if you peel off that film and uh, stick it in sunlight, it'll feel a force. And so we're trying to pioneer uh, the very first ideas about how to make use of diffraction in space. And so we have experiments going on here, and we have collaborations with uh, NASA Marshall and with uh, a couple of different uh, um, people who are making these diffraction gradients for us. I know you were out at NASA Marshall this summer uh, where you saw the, the NIA Scout being unfurled for the first time. I think that's the only time they were actually going to test it. What did you think about that experience, and how, how was your experience uh, working at NASA Marshall? Well, uh, you always talked about how I, I've been pretty lucky with uh, some of the uh, experiences I've gotten to have as an undergrad through NASA and RIT. You know, we were out there, and it's a lot slower than you actually think. When you unfurl these huge, huge, very thin to like structures like the sail, you got to go slow. <laughs> like you're not going to just whip this thing out because, you know, in space, then all the forces will cause you to start tumbling and there's all this vibration and you just don't want to deal with that. Um, so they, it was very slow. I mean, we were there, what, it was, I think, an hour for this thing to fully deploy. And this is, I think, Neo Scout is nine by nine meters, something like that. Yeah. So it, you know, you're there, but it was super cool because that was my first time in a clean room. Uh, and it was a huge clean room, and we got to go in and uh, talk to actually a lot of the engineers and um, people who worked on the project. And it went well. It didn't have any problems, and it was super exciting, and it was a great experience. I, something I won't forget. You know, it's crazy because you see this huge sail, and it, it comes from just a 1U, which is 10 by 10 by 10 centimeters, um, which is a 1U CubeSat. The sail, all undeployed and all wrapped up, deploys from this just little shoebox. And that's crazy if you, if you think about it. It's very, very cool to see. How do you think that solar sails, diffractive solar sails, could have been of use to this type of mission or could be of use to missions in the future? How are they more effective? Or why would we want to use them over the, the regular sa the reflective sails? So where we are with solar sails now is kind of akin to where the Wright brothers were. They're, we're just starting to test flight. Uh, in space with with solar sails, but there are a lot of unanswered questions. And so the more flights we have up there, the more we'll start learning about the difficulties and new ways of engineering the sails to overcome uh, perturbations and instabilities and, and whatnot. So uh, the diffractive solar sails is a great uh, new way uh, and new component for controlling solar sails. These could either be s small units on a large reflective sail or the whole thing could be a big diffraction grating. I'm really looking forward to the day when we have a large diffractive sail flying overhead above the Earth and it diffracts light down onto the Earth. The light would come down in different colors and it would just be the most beautiful thing at night to see. So how do you get your ideas? You know, where did just, hey, what if we just 
take this diffraction grating and use it like a regular set, like reflective sail? How do you, how do you come up with that stuff? Oh gosh, well it comes from a lot of different ways, but it usually it usually is not a brute force kind of thinking. It's oftentimes you know I may be cooking or in the shower or shaving. Things come come to you, even maybe lucid dreaming. You know, you kind of sometimes you just you just you have these thoughts. You think, well, let's go with that. You know, once you kind of get your senses about you and start putting some ideas down on paper, but the seed of them often just come almost out of nowhere. It's just when you're so immersed in the area, your mind is working in a background mode with all these different ideas floating around, and sometimes they just pop out and scream at you and say, "Hey, <laughs> there might be something here. Take a look." That's where I get my inspiration. I know we work with some really awesome people. What does your team kind of look like working? on all this stuff, you know, what are, what are we up to now? What are, what are we doing um, right now in, in what phase of the research are we at? So uh, there's a lot of people interested in, in seeing the development of solar cells. One, one reason is because eventually we're going to have to really leave the Earth, and there's very few ways that, that humans can actually get to a distant planet. Chemical rockets are not going to get us there. And so uh, analyses of all the known type of propulsion uh, systems suggest that, that solar sailing may be the one thing that will allow humans to become an interstellar uh, spacefaring race of people. And so it's very exciting. It's, there's a long, long road ahead to, to develop this, uh, but we're really at the very beginning stages, so it's very quite exciting. So Amber, you've been working with solar sails for a while now. What's the reaction uh, from people when you tell them what you're working on? Honestly, I think for the most part, people are excited. And, you know, when you come up and you say, hey, well, I'm working on the next big thing when it comes to spacecraft, right? I think that really starts to get people excited. And it's really easy to get them excited when you start explaining to them what it is. Say, so, you know, think about your boat. Like I said, think about your boat. But we're doing that in space, right? And that's what everyone wants to hear. They want to hear this awesome, like, very far out there, very, like, you know, wouldn't even think of it yourself kind of ideas that maybe you find in a science fiction book. And people see that stuff and they think, oh, that will never happen. But when you tell them, no, this is what I'm working on and this could work and we're almost there. We just need a little bit more time and a little bit more push. With the solar sailing, it sounds cool to anyone. And you can really start to get them to feel that excitement, to feel this push that the space race we have right now that's going on. We're in a new age of space. And, you know, all these scientific advancements, all these new physics, all this new materials, these metamaterials, everything will help us get there. Thanks for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. New episodes debut on the first and third Thursdays of each month. Subscribe to Intersections on iTunes and tune in, or visit us at www.soundcloud.com slash RITtigers. For more about our university, visit www.rit.edu.